Hello and welcome to the Ortho Show. Uh, it's day three. We're still coming at you live from the Bellagio Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada at the Ortho Summit. I'm Ben Young. I'm Mika Nichols. And what an awesome day it's been today, Ben. It has been a really good day. I, I, yesterday I said I was getting tired. Today I'm completely exhausted. It's been back-to-back interviews. I mean, truly back-to-back interviews. Right. We've basically not had a break. Uh, but we managed to get some focus time on, on who we believe are kind of the un, unsung heroes. I can't say unsung heroes. Unsung for heroes. Reason. Well, yeah, today we focused on the, the PT and ATC side. The next voices we're going to hear are Drs. Ashley Campbell and Mike Voigt two of the faculty members presenting here at OSET on the Advanced Practitioner Program. Hey, I'm Ashley Campbell. I'm a physical therapist from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I specialize in the hip and pelvis. I work at Nashville Hip Institute with Dr. Thomas Bird, um, and I've been here presenting today on that topic, uh, hip arthroscopy, rehab after hip arthroscopy, and conservative management of the hip patient. And I'm Mike Voigt, and I'm from Nashville, Tennessee as well, uh, affiliated with Nashville Hip Institute, again with Thomas Bird, and I'm here this week on the hip track, talking about hip and moderating sessions, uh, largely the conservative management of hip injuries, looking at, but also we just did a panel with surgeons talking about the key to return to play. That's great. Well, thank you both for joining us on the Ortho Show. You're esteemed guests because you're actually our first ever physical therapist to come and join us on the show, and we've been talking about you know, needing to do this for, for quite some time. I think before we dive into, you know, the presentations and the things you were, were talk, came specifically here to the Ortho Summit to, to talk about, um, what, what is the key to a successful relationship between yourselves and the surgeons that you work with when it comes to, uh, you know, getting the best results for the patients? Um, well, I would say first and foremost, it's just mutual respect, um, which we're very lucky to have that with the surgeons that we work with. Um, and just realizing whose role falls when and where and when to ask questions of each other. Um, so we very frequently rely heavily on each other back and forth, both therapists relying on our surgeons and our surgeons relying on the therapists. And that actually gives the best possible outcome for our patients. So I'd say that's the key to our success. And I'll build off of that. And I'd say it's communication and dialogue. You might find this a little odd, but I think if you look at the mainstream physical therapy, most physical therapists don't have access to the surgeons on a day-to-day basis. And to know, we might get a written report. You might have an op. If you're lucky, you might get an operative report, but most surgeons don't have the time to talk with physical therapists on a regular basis. Now, some of them will say they do, but I'm going to tell you that's not the majority. So our, I think the secret to our success and our whole team would say the same thing. It's the access and dialogue. We communicate all the time back and forth with the patient. And if you sort of think of the scheme that way, the patient's the quarterback or the centerpiece of the team, and then we're all ancillary players around that, but we have access to one another so we can get information at any point in time, no matter, you know, really night or day, on what we need to do to make decision-making. So I think the dialogue is the big thing, or communication and access. Have you always been lucky enough to have that access to surgeons, or have you also been that other PT just being sent the patient? That's a two-pronged question you're asking me, Mike. I'll tell you what the answer is. The answer is yes and no. I've always been in my career because I've worked in professional sports, and because of the stature of being in that, I've worked with some of the, the best surgeons in the country. And the key to the best surgeons is this communication and dialogue. They're all like that and easily accessible. But in private practice or working in that realm as well, I've also worked with surgeons that are not accessible. And I've been kind of lucky that I steer my career towards the ones that I'm have accessible to because everybody doesn't, nobody looks good when there's no communication going back and forth. So I think that's one of the big things. So I've, 
I've had, I've been in that role, but I've been very fortunate in my career that I've always been around surgeons that are accessible. And I'd say prior to my role at National Hip Institute, I was in general outpatient orthopedic physical therapy. And I mean, on any given day, if I saw 16 patients, I saw them from probably 14 different doctors or different referral sources. And that was a point of frustration for me was just not really knowing what the expectation was from a surgeon or what the the rules were, for lack of a better word. And if you called to try and get that information, you kind of got the runaround from the office. Obviously, the surgeon's not going to get on the phone with you, but their nurse might not have the answer. And so being at National Hip Institute, being the director of rehab there, I've taken it kind of upon myself to be that person in our office so when the therapists who are treating our patients at other locations have a question that we're we're the ones answering those questions and if we don't have the answer to circle back to Mike's point I can very easily walk right next door and get the answer from the surgeon and that just makes for the best you know success as far as the patient goes. It seems to me that also a major component of successful outcomes has got to be compliance, right? And it's something that Mika and I hear over and over, and you're both now smiling. <laughs> that our listeners can't hear that, but the, yeah. you're, you're, you're grinning knowingly. What, what is being done? And what can be done to try and ensure better compliance and, and that the patient's engaged? I'll start this one off, but then, but Ashley just talked about it as well. But w- this fall, oh, was this had, your lecture today? There's one of our lectures. Oh, part of the lecture, yeah, yeah. and we've had it last week and in several other conferences. Is you're 100% correct. If the patient's not compliant, we're not going to have a successful outcome. The surgeon's not going to have a, su- a successful outcome, or the big episode of care, we're not going to have a successful outcome. Data out there will say that about 20%, about 20% of the people just drop out after the first or second visit and won't do anything. Um, and, and as the uh, rehab continues, the numbers continue to drop out. And I'll let Ashley give some of the details, but one of the things that we've done that's really ch- a game changer for us what we're doing is we've integrated um, technology into our program to optimize the rehab. And so we're using a, a, a system that the, puts the patient first in the big picture. So it's an app or a, a app-based thing. And if you think about athletes and, and younger people and the people we're seeing, everybody's used to playing with an app or having a cell phone. I mean, they do it for everything else in their life. They, rehab's no big deal. And so what Ashley will do is when a patient comes in, they're enrolled into our system. We have their whole rehab program outlined into this app, and we send them daily messages of here's what you're doing today and here's what's going on. Now, there's a little bit of an honor code in our system and that the athlete will tell us or our patient will tell us, yes, I completed my exercise today. They very likely could have lied and said, I'm not doing it. But most of them are going to see it and we're going to hound them. The nice thing about our system then is when we come to work every morning, there's a dashboard we look at. We have the whole list of our patients. If they're doing what they're supposed to do, their name stays green. If they're not doing what they're supposed to do or they didn't fill out a form and they didn't give us an update where they are, the name turns red. So I know who I need to call that day and find out what's going on and give them that little boost to do more with compliance. Uh, Ashley can say a little bit more about what the program does. Yeah, no, I mean, you pretty much covered it. We're particularly using a program called Amp Recover. And like Mike said, it's an app-based platform, which is very convenient for the patient. And even, I mean, obviously younger people are always on their phone, but even some of our older individuals really appreciate it. I mean, my dad's 70 years old and he has a smartphone and iPhone. He half the time knows how to use it better than I do because he's retired and sits around all day. So, um, but it's been really beneficial in, in keeping track of our patients because I, I think a lot of times, 
unintentionally they kind of get lost in the shuffle of a, of a busy practice and so it, it gives them the opportunity if they're having an issue there's a HIPAA secure messaging portal as part of that so let's say they're doing their home program that day and they're struggling with an exercise or they're having pain they can shoot a message direct to us and, and I get an alert on the dashboard that says I have a message and it can say something as simple as I had pain with sideline hip abduction today what should I do and I can give them cues on correcting form or I can maybe call the therapist who's treating them if they're not one of our local patients so there's it, it just gives instantaneous access to us whereas that patient without that platform probably wouldn't take the time to stop send us an email or stop and call the clinic and leave a message for me to call them back at the end of my work day to answer a simple home program question so we're finding with utilizing this that our patients are reaching out a lot more than they were previously because it's so convenient yeah, and Ashley, I just say to follow up that she's right. If you think about society today, we're so, we're we've been driven to become so easy to text message people and just do little things. We very rarely pick up the phone anymore and call somebody to do things. And I think Ashley's correct. What we're saying is some of these patients that might have dropped out on the compliance, they're afraid to call us. They're afraid to do all this. But for some reason, they'll send that quick text message. What do you think of this? And as long as we can reply quickly, which it does show up, they know we're monitoring and we're engaged. And I think that keeps them engage in the process and they do much better. I can tell you uh, on a year-long study with over 500 subjects looking at this, uh, 87% stayed engaged throughout their episode of care. That's a pretty good number. So there's a lot of talk about the use of uh, digital media and so on in uh, home rehab or motivating the patient, but I've always wondered, I mean, you guys are experts in exercise prescription, but as you know, and as we're talking about now, getting the patient to do those exercises is a completely another subject. And I wonder if there's something missing in the training of PTs, ATCs, people like that, which is about motivation, about coaching patients rather than just prescribing. Yeah, and I can kind of let Mike is full-time faculty in a PT program, so I'm adjunct faculty, so I can let him take it to some extent. But I do think that it's important, um, you know, a lot of the curriculum is based on older standards because this is a board certified career so with board certification comes making sure that these students are educated to pass said test but some of that material is slightly outdated and some of this newer technology and integration isn't included in that so it gets kind of thrown out and we've tried we're at Belmont in Nashville and we've tried to integrate a lot of this into the PT curriculum even though it's not on their boards per se so that they understand the importance of it and the, the students already have that mindset of I, I want to do this I want to integrate it so I think it's definitely important I think we have to take the initiative as educators to make sure that we're going above and beyond just the standard that's set by you know our associations and things and, and do that but and as a follow-up, I'd say it's sort of two-pronged, and it's a it's a double-edged sword. The students of today, as they're coming out, and I'll, I'll include all healthcare because it's an age population we're dealing with. It doesn't. It's not, I don't think it's a discipline specific. They've grown up with technology their their whole life, so it's no big deal for them to lock on to telemedicine, telehealth, doing these things. They're looking to do those things. However. The other side of the equation that we have to constantly educate and work with is I think because we rely more on our smart devices and doing things, they lose a little bit of that art of talking to the patient. And that was your question about motivating people and dealing with them. They're too used to dealing with just digital media. And so there is a lost art in that. And we try to incorporate that in our coursework and put them in situations where they have to role play, but where they have to communicate. Although it's very easy because I could do an exam and I'll get one of my colleagues on the 
on the phone and say, okay, now you've got to call this patient and talk to the patient about what we just did. Well, the person's role-playing on the end of the phone, but things along those lines that drive them to it. But I, I do see it's becoming, as technology increases, which is a good thing, one-on-one interaction with the patient decreases some, and that's an art that and, you have and to teach. And there's definitely that set of patients who love coming out to spend time with you as much for the conversation and then the interaction yeah. is the treatment, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. That's and it is the treatment. Well, the I mean, yeah. look at the things we look at. It's one of the big things we can talk about, but, but uh, the psychological mm-hmm. aspect of healthcare and or the big thing in all parts of the body now with these um, sort of mental or psychological readiness scales that you can give people, there's a big aspect to that. And one of the things we kind of look at is, um, how can you change the ready? Can, can we change a readiness of a patient or their psychological preparedness? And I think you can, but I think it has to do with interaction back and forth and how they do with that. I'm convinced now we actually are doing some things in the office right now, playing with this, not a formal study, but we're collecting the data, looking at it. And I, I do see changes or are, there are things where you can over time change the psychological profile of that patient, at least with regards to the injury they're, they're in CS4. So, our key listener to this show is, is surgeons, although after today, obviously, there's going to be a couple hundred thousand physical therapists will be listening. Perfect. But, but it, 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 we're, the show is for surgeons and for their education. So if I had to ask each of you, what would be your burning key message uh, that, that you wanted to tell surgeons about physical therapists and their use, uh, what would that be? I would say if there was one thing that you could come, you know, the, the pearl that I could give everybody is to use the physical therapist as a member of your team. We're not against you. We're not trying to do things separate, but we're not on an island. That I think the physical therapist with their either some of their assessment skills, and you got to remember, we're with the patient on a regular basis. Uh, most people in a rehab, uh, a local rehab setting, they're going to see that patient maybe two to three times a week, and we can provide that surgeon valuable feedback on uh, where that patient is and how they're doing in the rehab process. But the only way we can do that is if, as it goes back to where we first started with this, if we're having that open dialogue or that open communication, we have access to you. They're not going to take your time up with all these things, but teach them. Teach them what it is. And it doesn't take a lot because once you find your team that you're working with in our situation, I can all but tell you what Dr. Bird's going to do with the patient. We know what he's doing in the operating room. We've done there. We don't have to ask him every day these things. So I think if there's one thing is include him on the team, make him a part of your team, and the patient will benefit tenfold if you do that. Yeah, I would I would second all of that and agree that communication is probably the biggest thing. And I think it probably would seem, if I put myself in their shoes, kind of daunting to think about going out and communicating with all of the physical therapists that interact with their any given patient um, or their patient population, especially if they don't have their own PT as part of their practice. Um, and so I think trying to find therapists in their community um, that kind of have gone above and beyond and kind of excel in their field and maybe bringing them in and using them as kind of the educators to get to the masses, right? So I'm only one person, but, at, you know, speaking at conferences like this and trying to get to the masses is is a big part of, you know, what I enjoy doing because I, if even five people walked out of here with kind of a different mindset about something as it relates to what I specialize in, then that now touches all of their patients and it just starts to spread throughout. So I think that even just getting one or two therapists in their community engaged in in working directly on their team again doesn't even have to be within their practice just you know maybe monthly meeting that that could really be beneficial and i'd add one more thing to the to the surgeon because this might be a driver as well that in the majority of states 
in the United States with the uh, Practice Acts for Physical Therapy. And since we're in Tennessee, I can speak specifically to Tennessee, but we're a direct access state. So we see patients off the street. People know us, so the athletes come to us first. So we're almost, it's almost like a military model where we're a clearinghouse. So the physical therapist can be an ally with the surgeons as well because we're not doing surgery. But we certainly know how to evaluate and see things. And we have our list of surgeons that we work with. And, again, it's kind of the theme you've heard us talk about here. Who do you think I'm going to refer that patient to? The one I never hear from or the one I feel like I'm a part of a team and we can communicate? I'm going to send them to the guy that I'm communicating with, that I know the reputation, I know what they do, that I know that they're going to, we're going to have a dialogue back and forth with this. So I think that the physical therapist can also not only be your ally, but they're also a big source of referral for you as well if you're utilizing it that way. This has been great, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit with us. I think you've got more presentations coming up here shortly, so we're going to go and let you get prepared. And uh, hopefully we can continue this subject matter. I think this is the beginning of our new physical therapy show, Mika. <laughs> well, there was a lot more to discuss there, wasn't there? Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate we you appreciate, having us. Yeah, we appreciate yeah. you having us today. Yeah. Thanks Thank again. You. Thank you. Well, that brings us to the conclusion of day three, Mika. Another great day in the bag. I love talking to the physical therapist. This is sort of a whole new look for us. And we've actually got, we managed to get some more physical therapy interviews today, which we'll visit um, soon enough in a later episode. Yeah, uh, Dr. Charles Sickpen and Darren Padua. It is time for me to go and gamble uh, everything I have on Red 13, I think. So that's what? A dollar? One dollar, and possibly the end of the ortho show. (laughs) Until next time.